many of you know that, you know, I grew up here, but then I went down to Pensacola, Florida, lived there for a while, met my wife, and I was part of a singles ministry. I, I was actually the singles pastor at the church down there, and, and I had a good number of singles. And, and every Friday night, we would do a coffee shop, and um, we would take the youth room, and we'd kind of flip it around and make it like a coffee place, and it was kind of like a place for singles to come hang out, and, and uh, we'll have a couple hundred singles throughout the night to come hanging out with a great place to connect in. And, and, and we always had a band every week, different band from the different uh, community, from different churches. And, and uh, we had music, you know, Christian music going on um, every Friday night. And we did it for a while. And, and uh, uh, one of the band that we had, um, we had them a couple of times, but they, uh, you would know them because uh, since I've left Pensacola, um, back in 2009, they became uh, big. They got, you know, huge. And, um, and so we would have a group called Big Daddy Weave. And uh, how many of you know who Big Daddy Weave is, right? And, and so we, we would, they, were the, the, they were the local town favorites, and, and I would bring them in. And, uh, and I had to uh, begin to build a relationship with the head person of Big Daddy Weave. His name is Mike Weaver. Uh, it's a big boy, so they call him Big Daddy, and, uh, and they kind of shorten the weaver to weave. So Big Daddy Weave, that's kind of where you get the name. And so, and of course, he's one of my favorites. I got all his, you know, CDs before they got big and, you know, everything, every time since then. You know, so, you know, I've I, I built this relationship, and a couple of times we've had him sat down with him, you know, before the show, and, and you know, just kind of have a real good conversation and, and um and uh, he actually dated one of my singles, you know, in our, in our, in our single group before he got married. And, you know, and I thought, man, you know, we've become friends, you know. And, um, you know, we, we, we uh, had great conversation about God a couple of times and, and about Jesus. And, and, uh, and then he got big, and, and, and I hadn't seen him in a while, you know, because now he's world, worldwide, he's all over the country. And, and we moved away from Pensacola. We moved up here in 2009. And, and uh, so about 2015, we noticed that Big Daddy Weave was going to be uh, in town. And so I told Karen, I said, Karen, we've got to go see Mike. You know, it'd be good to catch up with him. And, uh, and so we drive to the concert. We do our thing, you know, listen. And then at the end of a, conf- uh, at the end of a concert, you know, we're kind of waiting for the crowd to kind of uh, go away a little bit. And I thought, you know, here's our moment. Here's Mike. And uh, it'll be like, you know, good old times. Just like old times, you know, I walk up to Mike and say, hey, Mike, how's it going, man? Long time no see. And looks at me with a funny look. And it's like, I'm sorry, do I know you? I'm like, okay, I know it's been six years, and so maybe I put on some weight, you know, and, you know. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm Scott from, from, you know, from the church that we were in Pensacola, Florida. And he's looking at me and says, yeah, I know the church. Yeah, yeah, I remember playing for something there, but I don't remember you. I said, I mean, you know, this whole time I thought we were on a first name basis, and it just totally, you know, caught me off guard. And I said, okay, well, I uh, just got awkward, you know. <laughs> and I came kind of, you know, Karen's just like, all right, come on, honey, you know. And I said, uh, all right, God bless you, Mike. And, uh, and I walk away, it's like, I felt like a walk the walk of shame, you know, which is bad, you know, first name basis. Well, you know what? It's amazing. You know, as I think about first name basis, we can be 
on a first name basis with the creator, with the creator of the universe, the savior of the world, the Lord of everything. Uh, we've been looking in this one verse in Isaiah, 700 years before Christ was even born, this prophet named Isaiah described not only who Jesus was, but then he tells us the name that he should be called. He let us know that the God who, who sent his son and the son who came, he wants to be addressed on a first name basis with all of us. And this name that we see here in Isaiah, it shows us not only what Jesus is to be called, but who Jesus is and wants to be to every one of us one-on-one. And so I look at our key verse, Isaiah 9, 6. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Uh, and so far, if you've been with us, we have learned that Jesus is our wonderful counselor. He just doesn't give us human advice. That, you know, human advice, that it's a hit or miss, you know, sometimes it's a wrong advice, sometimes it's the right advice. He doesn't give us human advice. He gives us divine wisdom that's always on point, always on target, always giving us the right path, the right direction to take. He is our wonderful counselor. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Last Sunday, we talked about that he's also the mighty God. He is the mighty conqueror, the mighty warrior who fights for you and will help you to overcome any challenges that life throws at you. And today we look at another name. And today we look at everlasting father. You see, Jesus is revealed to us in Isaiah as another father in our lives. And just that word, father, it begins to stimulate maybe some images or maybe it turns up some emotions from within you. Or maybe for some of you, the memories and the images of your earthly father were fantastic. They were great memories. And I, I got my dad, you know, um, I've, got a great, I've got great memories of a great relationship with my dad. You know, and, you know, still around. He's still, you know, you saw him probably as you came in the door, opening the door for you this morning, if you came in the back, you know. He's uh you know, if you, if you saw him, he probably said something corny and silly to you, you know, and that's just how he rolls. And um, uh, 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 he's just, uh, that's my dad. And I got great memories of him. My, one of my earliest memories of me is uh, when I was five years old. And my, my dad, you know, he, if you know him, he's a prankster. He likes to joke around, and he, he uh, was cooking, grilling out on the grill, with, you know, he had some lemon juice, had to pour a little lemon juice on the food and kind of like a way to marinate. And, um, and, and I remember just asking him, the dad, what is that? And my dad looked at it as an opportunity to say, 
you know, to tell you about this lemon juice that this was good lemonade. I said, ooh, daddy, I like lemonade. I said, you want a sip? I said, is it good? I said, oh yeah, and he, he, put, he pretends to take a big giant sip from this lemonade or this lemon juice, you know? And I, I said, oh, I want some, dad. And I remember taking that lemon juice, that bottle of lemon juice, and he kind of poured it in my mouth. You know, and I took a big gulp of it. And uh, all of a sudden, my face turned soured. I mean, this was bitter. You know, and I'm suddenly gagging. Of course, my mom is in cahoot because she's taking a picture. So this is a great moment. <laughs> Somewhere in our family album, there's a picture of my dad rolling on his side laughing because he knows that he pulled a fast one on his five-year-old. All right? <laughs> I have great memories of my family, my father. You know, and as a, father, as a father myself, and I think I speak for all dads, you know, it's just not easy being a dad sometimes, right? We're far from perfect. We make our share of mistakes. But if you grow up, if you grew up and you look back on your father and you've got great memories and they're good, I just say be thankful for that. Be thankful. What more can you ask for as a dad? But for some of us here, you perhaps didn't have a great relationship with your dad. And some of the greatest pain in your life, it comes from your relationship with him. Perhaps he was never there. Maybe he abandoned you when you were very little. Or, or, or maybe it wasn't even his fault. You know, maybe he passed away when you were young and, and, and he wasn't there for you because he was gone. He passed away and, and missed out on all, all those important moments of your life. Or, or maybe your dad was physically present, but emotionally he wasn't there. He was always too busy. Always had other stuff going on. And uh, he never really paid much attention to you. Uh, maybe you can remember um, how disappointed he always seemed to be with you. You could never please him. You could never make him happy. Uh, maybe he was abusive. I know a lot of people, there's a lot of people who are, who are physically abusive or even sexually abused by their fathers. But whatever reason, for some of you today, you now when we talk about father, pain, for whatever reason, pain just kind of get brought up as you think about your earthly father. And so when I say that Jesus wants to be your everlasting father, now for some of you today, that doesn't do much for you. It doesn't do much for you. And here's why. Many times, many times, we look at Jesus, our, our everlasting father, through the lens of our earthly fathers. Now, that puts a lot of pressure on us, Dad. I mean, for me, I'm, I'm kind of scared about that. You know, what if I mess up? Then my kids, you know, if, if, if that's the case, my kids might have a very foggy view of who Jesus is if I mess up. And, and at the end of the day, this is a dangerous place to be. This is a dangerous thought to be when we start to look at Jesus through the lens of our earthly dad. We have to stop viewing our Heavenly Father through the lens of our dads. Instead, we gotta evaluate, we gotta view Jesus through the lens of the Word of God. We have to look at Jesus, not through our dads, whether they were good or bad. We have to look at Jesus through the Scripture. 
And so for the next few minutes, I, I want to identify uh, three types of father wounds, dysfunctional dads. And I want to show you, at the end of the day, I want to show you how Jesus came to heal those wounds and how he come to us as our everlasting father. Now, I want to do a little sidebar here, all right, just to kind of clear up a theological, a theological confusion on this point, all right? And then we'll get right back into the message. But a little, a little sidebar. At first, calling Jesus the everlasting father um, might seem a little odd since the Bible teaches that Jesus is the second member of the Trinity. Jesus is the son of God. We have God, God the Father. We have God the Son, and that's Jesus. And so we, we, we know that. And so in Isaiah 9, 6, the Son, right, Jesus is called the Father. So it doesn't mean that he swapped places with God the Father. All right, so we, the roles are still the same. What, what Isaiah is doing is talking about the type of relationship that Jesus would have with us, that he would be like the Father that we've always longed for. So that's what's happening here. So I just want to make sure we understand that. So let's look at these three types of imperfect dads. Let's see how Jesus is the perfect everlasting Father. Number one, if you're taking notes, the first imperfect dad is the never satisfied dad. The never satisfied dad. This is the dad that no matter what you did, never seemed to be proud of you. You know, study says that there are three things that a father should say to their child. They should constantly say these three things. They should say, number one, I love you. I love you. They should say, number two, I'm proud of you. I'm really proud of you. And then they should say, number three, you are really good at filling the blank. You're really good at it, son. You're really good at it, daughter. You know, you fill in the blank. But if you grew up never hearing those words, if you grew up not hearing those words of affirmation, it left you with a desire to prove yourself so that you could hear that from someone. And there's pain when you never felt like you satisfied and got approval from your own father. In 1985, Sports Illustrated interviewed one of the greatest athletes of all time named uh, uh, Bo Jackson. Y'all know who Bo Jackson is, a picture of him on the screen. Bo Jackson, Nike made millions of dollars on a, on a marketing campaign, if y'all remember. Bo knows, there you go, Bo knows. Right? And, and, and here's what's unique about Bo Jackson, is that he is the only professional player to play on two professional sports. He played football, and he played baseball, and to be an all-star in both leagues. The only player to be an all-star in two different sports. And Bo Jackson, in an interview, began to talk about his greatest pain. And in an interview, sometimes Bo Bo Jackson liked to speak in the third person. You know, it was kind of like his way of talking. It wasn't, you know. And so he said, my father has never seen me play a football or a baseball game. He said, can you imagine? Here I am, Bo Jackson, one of the so-called 
so-called premier athletes in the country. And I'm sitting in the locker room, envying every one of my teammates whose dad would come in and talk, have a drink with them after the game. Because I never experienced that. I never got that from my dad. You see, kids who grow up in this kind of home, they're always trying to prove themselves to others. They're always seeking for approval. And unfortunately, kids that grow up in this kind of home, they carry this perspective of themselves into their relationship with God. No matter what you do, you have this nagging, this nagging voice in your head wondering, you know, with God, you know, have I done enough? Uh, God, am I good enough? You think, I bet, I bet God would be happier, you know, if I was a better Christian. We begin to think, you know, God, you would be happier if I was a, a, a better um, volunteer. Or I, you would be happier if I share my faith more. Or you would be happier with me, God, if, if, if I was a better husband or if I was a better, a better wife. You're constantly comparing yourself to others. You say, man, if I was more like him, God, if I was more like her, then you would be, you would be happy with me. Your heavenly father could not be more different than that. And so if we look and evaluate our everlasting father, don't do it through our earthly dads. We always do it through the scripture. And the Bible said in Isaiah 43 verse 4 that we are precious and honored in his sight. Oh man, that word precious is such a strong word. Because you matter to him. You're worth it to him. God tells us in Isaiah that he, pays, that he pays more attention to us than a mother does for her own baby. Isaiah 49 verse 15, it said, Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Of course not. He said, those she may forget, which is very unlikely, because moms are extra, extra careful on the details about their kids. But though she may forget, God says, I will never, I will not forget you. You see, Isaiah, now he leaves the analogy of the father, because he knows that fathers aren't great with details sometimes, right? So he goes to the mother, because mothers are far more attentive to the newborn kids than their fathers are. I mean, I think about Karen, my wife, you know, I've got two kids. I mean, in the middle of the night, if she hears a sound out of any room, she's the first one to hop up, you know, and check on the kids. Meanwhile, I'm snoozing away. I don't hear nothing. There's a reason why I take my hearing aids out at night. Not necessarily, but yeah, you know. Even if I did, I'm, 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 I can't hear. But Karen, she hears something, check it out. She's attentive to our kids, more so than I am. Yet God knows me better and watches us better and more closely than the most attentive mother there is. The Bible says in Matthew that Jesus said, said that the heavenly father is so attentive to us that not only, that not one hair falls from our head without him knowing about it. That's the details he knows. He knows about it. In Psalm 139, King David, he takes in the love that the Heavenly Father has for him. I want you to read this for a minute. 
Psalm 139, verse 1. David said, oh Lord, you have searched me, you know me. You know when I sit, you know when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, Lord. Uh, you hand me in behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. I mean, God, <laughs> he, he, he does what we do with our kids sometimes, my wife and I. You know, with our kids, when we hug Abigail, we give her an Abigail hug, an Abigail sandwich, you know. I'm on one side and Kim's on the other, and we kind of squeeze. God hammers us hammers in behind and before. He gives us a God sandwich type love. He loves us so much. He says in verse 6, such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, the Bible says that you're there. It says, if I make my bed in the depth, you are there. I want you to underline that word depth for a minute. The word depth in the Hebrews is the word shell. It can be translated as the word hell. In other words, if I make my bed in hell, you are there. And the truth is, the truth is, we did make our bed in hell, all of us. We all made our bed in hell, but our everlasting father, Jesus, who ran into hell after us, he stood in the way of the judgment that we deserved and took hell on his own body. Bible said in verse number nine, if I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is just light to you. Said in verse 13, you created my inmost, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. And he said, God, you knew me. He had a plan and a purpose for me before I was even born. He said in verse 14, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be God knows everything about you. He says, how precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. We are precious to God. Do you ache to be special to someone? You are special to the everlasting Father. Do you, do you yearn to matter? You do matter to the everlasting Father. Do you know how much God thinks about you?
I'm falling apart here. <laughs> All right. I'm going to get there, guys. We're going to make it. We want to do two services now. We used to do three. <laughs> you know how valuable you are to him? Oh, man, you matter to God. I mean, you matter so much that he went after you when you made your bed in hell. You were there. His love is deeper, greater, and better than any love you fail to get from your earthly father. I don't know how to say it any better than this, but Jesus is crazy about you. He loves you more than the most love-stricken father. And so we have a father, our everlasting father. He's satisfied with us. Here's the second type of dad, dysfunctional dad. And that's the time bomb dad. The time bomb dad. This is the kind of dad who just never knew quite what to expect from him, right? You know, he may have a, he come home from work and just walk around him like like eggshells. You don't know if he had a bad, if he had a bad day at work, you know, one little thing would just set him off and fly off the handle. Maybe alcohol, drug, magnify those outbursts. Or maybe your dad said angry words to you like, hey, son, you know, I, you know you're never, you're never going to amount to anything. You know, you're a loser. Or maybe they said, you know, you were a mistake. We didn't mean to have you. And they said hurtful words, and it just rip you up inside. And, and unfortunately, it just affects you how you see your Heavenly Father. <coughs> You have a hard time trusting him or leaving things in his hands. What, what if Jesus happened to be in a bad mood? Now, what if, what, if, what if I, you know, I do something and he comes down too hard on me and sometimes we look at God as a fly swatter God. They always got a fly swatter and just one mistake, just one thing on his radar that's wrong, he comes down and Water. So sometimes I like to have a giant fly swatter when I'm up here preaching, looking for a fly on the screen. You know, I want to get him down. All right? But God, sometimes we look at God like that. We think God had a handful of lightning bolts in his hand. You know, it's a man. And we treat God like a time bomb dad. But that's not how God is. Good news David said that in Psalm 103, verse 8, that the Lord is compassionate and gracious. He's slow to anger, abounding in love. And for some of you, your dad was the opposite. He was abounding in anger. He was slow to show affection, quit to anger. But our Heavenly Father, our everlasting Father, was compassionate, he's gracious, slow to anger. Bible said in Romans 8, 1, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, when Jesus tried to explain the heart of the Father to his disciples, he told a story about the prodigal son. And in this story, he said, I think it's more about the Father than it is about the Son. I think the story really highlights, you know, the emphasis on who the Father is. And, and here's the son who ran away from home, and who, who, who left his house, rebelled against his family. And, and the prodigal son is gone. 
And meanwhile, the father is waiting for his son, hoping that he'll come back home and every day, waiting, he's waiting, he's waiting. And finally that day came when the, the prodigal son, who had lost everything, he had he pit rock bottom. And he comes back home, and, and, and the minute that the father sees him on the horizon, he, he ran out. He ran out to find his son to meet him, to meet him on the road, hugging him. Some scholars believe that the reason for this is because in the Old Testament laws, when the son rebelled against the father, that you know that that that, that son deserved to be punished, be stoned to death. And I, I can imagine that the father he sees his son, but not only did the father see his son, but other people in the family said, "Oh, there's that long lost." son who left and hurt dad, who rebelled. And I believe that some of them might have started picking up the rocks. They were going to take care of business according to the Old Testament laws. But the father, he ran out there hugging him to protect him from rocks that were being thrown. That's the father's love for us. He's not a time bomb, Dad. He loves you so much. He was a gracious, forgiving, loving, merciful, patriot father who is standing here this morning ready to receive you home. The third dysfunctional type of dad is the absent dad. The absent dad. Again, maybe as a child, you grew up as a victim of divorce and all of a sudden, Dad was never home. He was gone. Or maybe he was around, but he was always so busy and never had time for you. You know, he missed your first soccer goal. He was never there for you to, to tuck you in at night. Or maybe your dad unfortunately passed away early in life and you had to grow up without him not being there. And it was hard. But no matter your experience, no matter what you've experienced, I, I hope that by now, You've seen that Jesus is the opposite of the absentee dad. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, that God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. The word... Oh, my God. All right. Fly water preacher right here. All right. <laughs> so the word never in the Greek... The word never in the Greek, it's a really crazy word, but it actually means never. <laughs> Mind blown right here. It means never. It means never, ever, ever would Jesus, for any reason, leave us. He wouldn't leave you when, he had re when you had rejected him and walked away. He wouldn't leave you when you made your bed in hell. He won't leave you. Jesus said, I will never, ever leave you nor forsake you. Maybe this is your first Christmas without your earthly father. Maybe it's your second Christmas. Or maybe it's been a while since you've experienced a Christmas with your earthly father. But I love how Isaiah says that he is the everlasting father. And I'm not saying here, don't grieve. Yes, please grieve. All right? But in your grief, my prayer is that you'll remember that you have an everlasting father who would never, ever leave you. Jesus is a far better father than your favorite father 
bigger. Now, here's the deal. We're going to wrap this up, but Jesus this morning wants to heal many of you from the wounds left by your earthly fathers. Maybe you've got pains in your past, but your father, your heavenly father, wants to heal you from those wounds. The Bible says in Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17, For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful sound. I love that phrase right in that verse. With his love, he will calm all your fears. Now, sometimes I'll be at home, you know, and, and all of a sudden I hear blood curdling cry from one of my kids. Abigail riding her bike or Nathan riding his bike and, and, and they come running in the house and uh, they've fallen off their bike or they ran and tripped and they've hurt themselves and got bloody elbows and their knees are all skinned up and, and, and you're crying, you're trying to find out what happened. Abigail, what's happened? <laughs> yeah. You know, they can't even say a word. You know, he said, hey, come here, Abigail, come here, come here. It's okay, you know. And she comes to, to me and, and, and I'm trying to calm down Abigail. Abigail, it's okay. Abigail's still moaning and said, Daddy, I fall. It's okay. It's okay, Abigail. And I hold her. And I start to pray over her. I said, dear God, be with that little Abigail here. Take her. Take a little hours away. Calm her down. Calm her. This morning, some of you, from your past, your knees are skinned up. Your elbows are bloodied up. If I had to deal with some pain, then maybe I kind of brought some pain back today to remind you about who the Heavenly Father is, the Everlasting Father is, but kind of brought up some raw emotions and you're reminded of the bloody you're all kind of blooded up from the past and nobody nobody around you really truly understand the pain that you're in Bible said that he is the mighty savior a gracious God Bible said that he will take the hours away if you come to him with his love, the Bible says that he will calm all your fears. He's going to pray over you. You can bring your pain to him and let him take it. 2,000 years ago, he came from heaven to earth. They got blooded up for you so that you can have a relationship with the perfect everlasting father so that you can have a so you can have a relationship with him on a first name basis when you come to him you won't be like huh I don't remember you Big Daddy Weave doesn't remember me. 
But one thing is for sure, your everlasting Father will. And today, you can come to Him. You can trust Him to be your everlasting Father. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for the name, Everlasting Father. We thank you that you came for us, that you ran into, you ran into our hell. You ran into hell on our behalf so that you would take the punishment and the judgment and the wrath of God on yourself and not on us. You did all that so that we could have a relationship with you. Perhaps God is someone here that does not have a relationship. They do not have a relationship on a first name basis. They know about you. They've heard about you. Perhaps they've seen songs about you, but they don't know you. Now today, God, I pray that they will give their hearts, their lives to you. Bible says, God, that you're knocking on the door of our hearts. And you say, all we have to do is open it and let you in. And maybe there's someone here today who's never done that before. They've never asked you into their lives. And so God, today, may they make a decision and take a step of faith so that they can have a relationship on a first name basis type relationship with you. And if that's you this morning, says, God, you're talking to me. I don't have a relationship with God. The Bible says, all you have to do is call upon the name of the Lord, and you shall be saved. Just cry out to him. There's nothing you can do to have a better, to earn a better standing with God. You can try to be a better person all you want. You still fall short in a relationship with God. I would say all we have to simply do is cry out to him in faith and ask him to come into your life and to be your Lord and Savior. You can pray a simple prayer like this. If this is you this morning, say, man, I need Jesus. You pray a prayer like this. Dear God, I'm a sinner. I've fallen short. I'm all blooded up, broken. But today, I'm asking you to come to my life. And with your love, calm my life. Calm all my fears. And I trust you. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Come into my life and be my everlasting Father. Take me to heaven when I die. If that's you this morning, and no one's looking. He says, God, I just pray that prayer. And if that's you, say, come into my life. I open the door of my heart and I let him in. That's you. Will you raise your hand? I'm not going to embarrass you. Just want to just see who you are. Say, I've asked Jesus to come in my life. Don't you want like that here this morning? God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your for you being the everlasting Father who will never ever leave us nor forsake us. You're always satisfied with us. 
even in our matchup, even in our imperfectness, you still love us. God, you're not a time bomb, God. You're patient. You're slow to anger. You love us. And you're always there. So God, we pray this week as we get ready for Christmas that we never forget that you are the everlasting Father. In Jesus' name, amen.